Chapter Twenty Four of The Devil's Garden by W. B. Maxwell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks.com. Chapter Twenty Four. Another charwoman had now been engaged, and Mrs. Goody, retiring on a small pension from the Dales, came to Vine Pits only to pay her respects or now and then to appear as the least greedy and most deserving petitioner of all those who sat on the bench or stood waiting at the back door. Coming thus for a dole of tea, she asked Nora to inform Mr. Dale that young Bates, as he was still called, had again been seen in the neighborhood. As usual, he had come and gone furtively. Dale, duly receiving the message, frowned and shook his head ominously. He had never been able to get hold of young Bates, although Mrs. Goody had reported several of these sinister reappearances, and probably nothing could have been gained by an interview with such a heartless scoundrel. So long as old Bates was weak enough to give, young Bates would be cruel enough to go on taking, and from the aspect of things it appeared that the too generous father would before long be altogether denuded. He was getting shabbier and shabbier in his apparel. His poor old face looked pinched and thin, and the talk was that he lived on starvation rations. It all seemed horrible to Dale, a thing that should not be permitted, and yet what could one do? He thought about it all next day, and it was more or less occupying his mind at dusk when he sat with Nora in the office clearing up for the night. "'There, my dear, that'll do. You'll only hurt your eyes. It's all right, Mr. Dale. I can see well enough just to finish.' Dale was sitting at the table in the window, and Nora stood at his desk beside the high stool, copying rows of figures out of a huge day-book. He turned his head and watched her for a minute or so in silence. Her dusky black hair was like a crown over her stooping face. Her left elbow and hand lay on the desk, and the moving pen in her other hand pointed straight at the right shoulder, exactly as Dale had taught her to point it when she first began to imitate his copper-plate writing. She had been an apt pupil, and there was no mistake about the help she gave him nowadays. At the beginning he used to pretend a little, saying that her aid lightened his labors merely to encourage and please her. Now stop, lassie. This is what Mr. Osborne terms blind man's holiday. Shut the book. I should have liked to finish, said Nora. Nevertheless she obeyed him, closing the book and putting her papers in a drawer. Look here, if you must be busy to the last moment, Come over here nearer the light, and address these envelopes for me, and I'll have a pipe. Nora came meekly to the window and took the chair that Dale had vacated for her. Standing close behind the chair and looking down upon her, he noticed the deft way in which her hands gathered the loose envelopes and stacked them, the shapeliness of her arms and shoulders, and the ivory whiteness of her cheek. It was the fading light that produced this effect because she was not by any means a pale girl. Her skin, although white enough, had warm tones in it, and under it still warmer tones, a brownish glow like a sunburn that had been transmitted by nomad ancestors who baked themselves under fierce southern skies centuries ago. The gypsy blood showed to that extent in her complexion and to a greater extent in her hair, and suddenly he thought of what Mavis had been as a girl. She had a white skin, if you please, much whiter than Nora's, but she was like this girl in many respects was Mavis when he first saw her. She and Nora were as like as two peas out of one pod in the matter of looking fragile and yet firm 
as gracefully delicate of form as it is possible to be without arousing any suspicion of debility or unhealthiness the back of mavis stooping neck used to be exactly like this girl's a smooth round stem without a crease or a speck on it a solid healthy neck and yet so slender that this great hand would almost girdle it aren't i doing it right nora looked up quickly i'm copying the addresses off the letters no you're doing quite right dale put his hands in his pockets and moved away to the high stool what made you think you were doing wrong oh i don't know i always get nervous when you watch me and don't say anything then we'll talk there i'll wait till you're through and then we'll talk a bit i am through now said nora in a minute shall i put the stamps on no don't trouble i'll do it myself and post them at the pillar he had seated himself on the stool and had brought out his pipe he looked at its bowl reflectively and then began to talk to nora about the children don't you think nora that we ought to be putting billy out to school mavis so far had acted as governess with nora to assist and between them they had taught both children to read and write but this home tuition could not go on indefinitely and dale thought that the time had already come when larger and bolder steps must be taken toward achieving that liberal education which he had solemnly promised his son and heir he was always reading advertisements of attractive seaside schools where the boy could secure home comforts the rudiments of sound religious faith as well as a good grounding in the humanities mavis however would not yet hear of a separation from her darling she pleaded that he was such a little fellow still she prayed will not to hurry tell me what you think about it nora quite candidly nora had hesitated about replying but she now said that she really thought dale need not be in a hurry billy was so clever that when he did get to school he would learn faster than other boys and she added that his departure from home would be a dreadful wrench for mrs dale but it will be a wrench for her whenever that happens in life one has to prepare oneself for wrenches that i fancy is the better way of pronouncing the word yes wrench after wrench nora that's life until the last great wrench comes and well that isn't life who was that past the window nora turned her bright young face to the window and peered out it's mr bates sir how funny he looks what do you mean funny walking so slow and leaning on his great stick as if he was a pilgrim dale had jumped off his stool and he ran out to the road and begged the old man to come in certainly william said mr bates he had cut himself a long staff from some woodland holly tree a rough prop that reached shoulder high and on this he leaned heavily as soon as he stopped walking he looked very old and very shaky good evening miss veal he said courteously as he entered the office oh you mustn't call her miss veal she's nora one of us you know and as he spoke dale laid his hand on the back of nora's neck to prevent her from rising she's our multum in parvo making herself so useful to the wife and me that we can't think what we should ever do without her bide where you are a moment nora dale established his visitor on a chair that faced the rapidly waning light and addressed him again with increased deference if you can spare a few minutes there's a thing i'd like to speak to you about mr bates i can spare all the minutes between now and morning said mr bates cordially if i can be of the least service to you william as much now as in the beginning of the enterprise bates held himself at the younger man's disposal 
indeed liked nothing better than to give information and counsel whenever his prosperous successor was of a mind to accept either i won't keep you as long as that said dale smiling but will you give us the pleasure of your company at supper you're very kind william but i don't think i can do mr bates the wife will be as pleased as me uh, as i the old fellow looked up at dale hesitatingly and dale looking down at his clean-shaven cheeks bushy white eyebrows and the long wisps of white hair brushed across his bald head felt a great reverence he would not look at the threadbare shabbiness of the gray cloth suit or at the queer tints given by time and weather to the black felt hat that was being balanced on two shrunken knees i i don't think i'll present myself before mrs dale uh, without more preparation than this besides would it not put her out no indeed quite unceremonious taking us exactly as you find us pot luck then be it so you are very good thank you william thank you mr bates dale seized upon the visitor's hat and stick now you may cut along nora and tell mrs dale that mr bates is kind enough to stay supper without ceremony nora glided across the office to the inner door and going out asked if she should bring a lamp yes bring the lamp in ten minutes not before there's light enough for two such old friends to chat together and dale waited until she had shut the door now sir this is kind and friendly give me your hand mr bates i'd like to hold it in mine while i say these few preliminary words yes william the old man had immediately offered his hand and he looked up with a puzzled and anxious expression i merely wish to assure you mr bates very sincerely that if you at this moment could see right into my heart you'd plainly see my respect and what is more my true affection for you sir i believe it william and it has always been a source of comfort to me to think that you sir have entertained a most kindly feeling to me sir mr bates had averted his eyes and he moved his feet restlessly his demeanor seeming to indicate that he regretted having accepted the supper invitation and was perhaps desirous of withdrawing his acceptance i hope dale went on i haven't been presumptuous in my estimate of your feeling sir no and the old man looked up again his eyes his whole face had grown soft and the tone of his voice was firm yet rather low and very sweet no william my feeling for you began in taking note of your sharpness combined with your steady ways and it has ended in love that's a large word mr bates it's no larger than the truth then i say thank you sir for the honor you have done me dale pressed the old chap's hand dropped it and returned to the high stool and now after what has passed between us two man to man you'll credit me with no disrespectfulness if i make bold to let fall certain remarks bates nodded his wide head and stared at the floor there's a thing sir that i particularly want to say it is about yourself sir go on william said mr bates and get it over i know what you're after of course something about richard well i'll take it from you i wouldn't take it from anyone else do you remember all you used to advise me about the danger of rats telling me to fight him as if it was the devil himself horns and tail and not just so many stinking little avarice rodents you said one rat was sufficient to mess me up mr bates nodded and you knew what you were talking about no one better and for why because it was your own story you were telling me in the form of a parable you're wrong there william 
not a bit you've had one rat but by jupiter he was a whopping biggin and he'd eaten your grain and messed you up he'd ruined your business and well-nigh broken your heart and practically done for you have you finished asked mr bates with dignity yes sir almost and dale in the most earnest manner besought his old friend to resist any further attacks from that wicked son i do implore you sir not to be weak and foolish don't take him to your bosom he's a rat still and he'll gnaw and devour the little that's left to you so sure as i sit here but it was all no use as he could easily see mr bates raised his eyes moved his feet and then spoke gently but proudly i thank you william for your well-meant intentions i have listened to what you wish to say now shall we talk of something else yes but with this just one proviso added will you remember that i am your banker for the full half of what the banker's worth if the pinch comes draw on me i thank you again william but i shan't need help i think you will then to speak quite truly i couldn't take help william i really couldn't why not think of all you've done for me don't deny me the pleasure of doing something for you i'll consider william please let it rest there dale could say no more and they both sat silent for a little while then old bates spoke again william he said if you'll excuse me i really won't stay you have to tell the truth agitated me indeed i'm sorry sir but don't punish me by going i am not quite up to merrymaking just then Nora arrived carrying the lamp and dale turned to her for aid Nora, speak for me mr bates says he won't stay tell him how disappointed we shall be oh do stay mr bates said Nora. it'll be such a disappointment to mr dale some other evening miss uh Nora. but you must excuse me this time and having picked up his hat and stick mr bates bade them good-night dale and Nora went out into the road and watched him as he walked away there Nora and dale slipping his arm within hers drew her closer to his side look with all your eyes you'll never see a better man than that they watched him till he disappeared in the gathering darkness and he seemed just like a pilgrim with his staff slowly approaching the end of a cruelly long journey end of chapter twenty four recording by tom weiss tom's audiobooks dot com